Praise the Lord. Well, what an appropriate direction this weekend has taken. We started out with a theme of standing firm, and now we're coming to the reason why you want to stand firm. Because the promise that's set out before us. We're on a path, we're on a way, we're on a highway that leads somewhere, aren't we? And I appreciate what I've felt throughout this meeting. I think it goes without saying, though I think it should be said, that I deeply appreciate the hospitality and the spirit of the local assembly here. Louisville is an example in their spirit and service of the ideal. We're always striving for the ideal. And the service of this assembly and the sacrifices they make and the spirit you feel when you are here are a good example of the ideal we're striving for. And I appreciate that. appreciate, of course, Brother and Sister Ross, Brother and Sister Gillespie and the assembly that has done so nicely to prepare for you young people to be here. This has been, as Brother Fitzsimmons said, and I would absolutely agree, it has been an absolutely hallmark youth meeting. I was walking down the hallway yesterday, and like ministers' counts, we also have ministers' opinions of how the service went. I heard one of the young people, as we were walking down the hallway, say, this is the best youth meeting I've ever been in. I said, well, there we go. That's good enough for me. That's two witnesses for sure, because I felt that as well, Brother Fitzsimmons. But it has been a wonderful youth meeting. I appreciate not only what I've felt in the local assembly, and that's to be expected. That's a high standard to hold yourself to, Louisville, but it's to be expected. We expect that from you because you've got that kind of depth and quality. But I have been so impressed by these young people this meeting, by the responsiveness when the spirits moved in, by the temperament you've shown, by the attention you've shown, by the spirit that you have. You can't go to every place where young people are gathering together, even in Jesus' name, under his banner, so to speak, and find the same spirit you're feeling here. Same spirit that we felt in these prayer lines, the same spirit that you young people are exuding. It has to be something established in your life in order for that spirit to be there. I've watched this these last few meetings. It seems like there's been a growth. We were talking about this right before, weren't we, Brother Holden? There's been a growth progressively each meeting. It seems like there's something more you can see in the lives of, of the young people. I almost hate to see the ones that are growing up and getting ready to go on and get married to do it because they're such an integral part, aren't they? But you'll go on and you'll have your married life and be an important part of the assembly as a young married element in the assembly, and that's a vital role as well. So I think if we go back to the beginning point of this meeting and the theme which I appreciated was standing firm you will never be able to stand firm unless you're standing on a firm foundation if you can find a firm foundation and determine absolutely to take a stand on it you won't have to worry about being shaken you won't have to worry about the pressures of this world you won't have to worry about the conditions that are going on around us and might have been brother Sharber and several I'm sure alluded to the fact that there are tremendous pressures coming against the church right now. In my life, I'm fairly young, but in my life, and I am a student of history, so I can reach out with my brain further than my body. I can go back in time further than my personal experience and study history. I cannot see a time in history when the speed and the pressure of the world in terms of coming against the church and the intensity of it is increasing like it is today. We've got muddled morality you know that you've got to know what is morally true. You've got to have moral borders and definitions for you. And we've got this politically correct perversity that's going on in our society as well. 
Thank God I did not feel this spirit here. These wonderful talks that these young people have given so far. I've always appreciated the time when the young people have had the service or in times past when even I was in the youth that you could hear your fellow youth testimonies and experiences. You know, that helps to bolster us. There's an encouragement it gives me when I hear what you're going through and how you've decided to take a stand. How you've decided you're going to stand firm, whatever it is you're going to have to face. This world wants to dumb you down. It wants to numb you. And if it can't dumb you or numb you, it'll intimidate you. Brother Sharber talked about being unlearned and unstable, didn't he? He used several different words, didn't you? But being unlearned and unstable is a dangerous thing. If you're not built on a firm foundation, you can't possibly be stable in your life. And if you don't get something between your earlobes, you can't possibly be learned. You can't have enough knowledge to be able to resist. This world would like you to be dumbed down. They wouldn't mind at all if you're dumbed down. The only intelligence they want you to have is theirs. The only spirit they want you to have is theirs. They don't want you to have any other opinions. It's amazing how the idea right now in our current generation is that we're trying to be fair. Let You have whatever opinion you want. No, that's not what's going on. They want you to have their opinion. Their opinion is so unreasonable, the only way they can give it to you is if they force it on you, young people. If they intimidate you into believing it. It can happen in school. You can have your teachers, or if you're in college, your professors try to intimidate you into believing something. It's not the truth. And they'll do that through peer pressure that's invisible. Because they make a statement and everybody sits there. And you think, well, I'm the only one. It's kind of hard to be the only one sometimes, isn't it? But you know, it's not hard to be the only one if you realize that you're just a spear point and there's a great power holding the shaft of that spear. You're just a little point. You're just a little thing. But there's a terrible and a wonderful, glorious God behind you, young people. And you never have to fear a thing when that God is on your side. So don't build yourself up in any of those things. Don't let the world dumb you down. Then I said they'll numb you too. The way they numb you is they numb your emotions. They numb your spirit. You know the reason there's so much violence and so much perversity is to numb your senses? You know, you see enough of some of those things, it'll numb you to where you can't hardly be touched. And God will try to reach you and he uses your emotions with his spirit. His spirit touches your emotions. And he tries to touch your emotions with his spirit, but you've been calloused over by all the beatings emotionally you've taken from the world. Don't let the world do it to you. Keep this sensitivity and this receptivity, this responsiveness that you've had here. I've been so impressed with you young people. Brother Fitzsimmons talked about it. I could talk all day about finances, and he could. He's got a great knowledge on that. I could probably talk all day about this receptivity of yours. It's greatly impressed me. There's a spirit this world will put on you if you're not careful. You've got to be prepared ahead of time to resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Resist the world. There's some foundations you can build your faith on, and there's some things that are faulty methods. You've got to be careful not to have a fly-by-night faith. You know what a fly-by-night business is? Well, one day you saw a new business sitting on the corner. A week later, it's gone. Nobody knows what happened to it. They probably didn't have enough finances to keep the business going. They probably didn't do their research to find out if they had the kind of customers for that business. You know, you can do the same thing with your faith. If your faith isn't based on something... Anything will cause it to shift and change. You can have a fly away faith too. Every time any pressure is applied, your faith flies out the window. I'm not sure that God can take care of me because the pressure I'm under. I see a giant or some condition so big that I don't think God can take care of this. You know, our God's bigger than any condition, young people. 
He's bigger than this entire world and all the pressure it might put on you. I had this thought on my mind here earlier. I wrote it down in my notebook as several were talking. You can have a fly by the seat of your pants face. You know what that is? Brother Sharber talked about you thinking some things through ahead of time so you know how to respond to them. You know what that's called? Being preemptive. Preemptive is when you have already thought out ahead of time what could possibly happen and how am I going to respond to it. You know, you've got to do that. That isn't something that you do when you get a little bit older. That isn't something you do when you have retired. That's something you do as a young person. Best time for you to start getting some preemptive thoughts in your mind is when you're young. What am I going to do if someone puts this in front of me? What am I going to do if someone tries to influence me to do this? How am I going to respond? I just had a talk. It's stunning to me that I'm having this talk with a nine-year-old. One of my daughters is nine, and I wasn't expecting to have this talk yet. Just had a talk with my daughter. She had a young lady come up to her and say, I don't know what's the matter with you that you won't wear clothes like such and such, like we do. And my oldest daughter is like her daddy was when he was young, very shy, very tender. She just was crying when she came to me. She said, so-and-so said to me, what should I say to that, daddy? She goes, I know why I'm doing it, but what should I say to that? You know, you know you've got to have an answer. You need to know why you're doing what you're doing. Do you know there's a reason for this? Do you know there's a goal that we're targeting? There's something we're headed toward? We sang this song, come along and go with me. There's somewhere we're headed. And if you know why you're going there, the cost won't be too high. Do you know what we're doing right now is going to cost you something if you'll do it? If you will commit to staying in this, I promise you it will cost you something. But the price is worth the promise. The price you pay is worth the promise. I was considering this morning how the meeting has gone so far and the wonderful spirit I felt in the meeting and what I felt from you young people. And it started going through my mind some of these ones in the Bible. I'm not going to go and teach on them, but some of these ones in the Bible who were referenced as having a different kind of spirit. You know, and they stood out by the different kind of a spirit that they had. You know, Joseph was an example of that. And it might be Genesis 41, 38, where Pharaoh was referencing Joseph. And he made this statement, can we find such a one as this in whom the Spirit of God is? Do you know there's some employers that won't even understand the God that you serve, but they'll feel something when they're around you and want to hire a person with those qualities? Do you know that there's some people out in this world who may have never had an experience with God at all? But if you have had an experience with God and it's burning in your bones, the life of that experience can reach out and touch that person. There's a reason you want to keep the spirit alive like you all have been doing so well in this meeting. Can we find such a one as this, a man in whom the spirit of God is? There's a whole list of people that are referenced that way. You could use Daniel. Brother Nathan Rudy did an absolutely outstanding job here the other night. I told several of the people that I was talking to, I don't know that I've ever heard anyone read the story of the three Hebrew children without hardly commenting on it and the power of God backed up almost every line. And I appreciate that, Brother Nathan. You did a wonderful job here. Thank you. There was another spirit in that young man when he was speaking. Do you know that if you've never experienced that, and someone came in here and heard that young man speaking, he didn't have to say anything exceptionally deep and intellectually. He didn't have to go into any symbolism. didn't have to unravel all the mysteries of those passages, which there are some. He didn't have to go in there and break it down line by line. He presented the Word of God with another spirit. And the power of God backed it up. Praise His holy name. That's a wonderful thing. Daniel's an example of that as well in the sixth chapter of Daniel. It's a little different phraseology there. It says he had an excellent spirit. 
there were 120 of these great leaders of those provinces at that time. And among them, the king had set up, Darius had set up three presidents. And Daniel was the chiefest of the presidents. You wonder why he was a target. You always will be a target. The higher you are, the more of a target you become. But Daniel was a target. And you know the story in that passage. Maybe you do. You ought to know the story. Daniel in the lion's den. It's a wonderful example of someone standing firm. You know, Daniel could have reacted to that decree in a lot of ways. The decree, by the way, if you don't know the story, was that any individual in the next month, the next 30 days, that prays to anybody but the king is to be thrown in a den of lions. You know, there's a lot of ways you could react to that, depending on what depth of conviction you have. Daniel could have very easily gone back to his room, shut the windows, put a towel at the bottom of the door, shut the windows real tight, kneel down beside his bed and quietly have a prayer. Would he still be praying to God? Somebody answer me. Not you all. (laughs) Would he still be praying to God? What do you think? He would. Would he be praying the way God wants him to pray? Oh, see, there's a problem, isn't there? You know what the problem was? God didn't want Daniel to be afraid of any man. When Daniel went into that room, I love that he did this. It tells you the whole message behind his convictions. He opened the windows like the way he always did it because he wanted everybody to know I'm praying to the only true and living God. And Daniel raised up his voice and prayed to the great God of heaven. Knowing they were outside, he wasn't caught by surprise. He knew exactly what he was doing when he made that kind of a convicted stand. Brother Rudy made me think of that when he brought up the three Hebrew children. My mind went a couple chapters ahead and I thought... My Lord, Daniel was like that too, wasn't he? Man of convictions, a man who set his face like a flint. He was determined to serve God whatever the cost. Another person in the Bible who's referenced that way is having another spirit. He's the one who the scripture says he had another spirit with him. Caleb. You may know the story. You should know the story. I hope you know the story of Caleb's experience. The Israelites had come up out of Egypt. They were getting ready to go over to the promised land. And they sent 12 spies over across the river. 13th chapter of Numbers is where the story is, the gist of the story. There's a little bit more to it, but of these 12 spies, found that it was a land of incredible bounty. There were incredible things on the other side of that river. And there were some great enemies on the other side of the river. And when they came back and they got the report of the entirety of the company, all 12 spies, I'm just going to pick out a few words here. The 28th verse of that 13th chapter, this is when all the 12 spies were testifying, witnessing to what they'd seen. After they talked about what they'd seen, at the end of it, they said, we saw the children of Anak there. Anak, Anak is how you pronounce it in Hebrew, but we saw the children of Anak there. Now that's a pretty neutral statement, isn't it? We saw some incredible things, and we saw the children of Anak there as well. They were there. A little later, just a few verses later, if you go down to the 33rd verse... Ten of the spies out of the twelve did not have the confidence they needed to cross over the Jordan and to go in and possess the promised land. And they went into more detail about this description about the children of Anak. You know who the children of Anak, those are giants. There were giants in the land. The Anakim or the children of Anak are the giants. That was a family of giants and mighty men. that cast fear on the hearts of the Israelites when they were considering crossing over the Jordan. And they said it a little bit more cowardly here in the 33rd verse. They said, there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. And so we were in their sight. 
You know, they got that a little bit backwards. They might have thought they were grasshoppers because they're so little, but you don't ever need to think you're small when you've got a great God behind you. They should have never had the idea that we were in our own sight as grasshoppers because you're not little when God is with you. You're not alone when God is with you. You're not in the minority when the God of heaven and earth is behind you. I'm going to make a parallel here. It's what came on my mind while his song was playing. There's 10 individuals here that were 10 cowards. Unfortunately for them, the names of the spies were listed, so it's put down for eternity, the names of all these ten cowards. I don't know if you want to be numbered among them. You are going to have your name written somewhere, you know. Here last night, I, I had such a charge go through me, Brother Ross, as these ones were receiving the Holy Ghost. I said to one of the brethren as we were standing here, as this great shout went up, it was more than just a shout of excitement. It's more than just a shout of enthusiasm. It sounded like a shout of victory. You know, sometimes you can get excited and yell out. But there's a whole different sound if you've ever been, forgive me, that I did when I was a child, I did play sports. If you've ever been to a football game, there's a vast difference between you trying to get the people excited and when they just score a touchdown. There's a difference in the noise and the sound in the way the tenor of the shout goes up when you're just saying, come on, let's get it together, and we just scored. I was listening to the sound down here. That was a powerful feeling. You know, that was an entirely different spirit. You can go into places where the Spirit of God is moving and there's not a consciousness of what's really happening down there and you wouldn't have had that kind of a sound come up. You might have had an exuberance and excitement. But there was a sound of victory down here that somebody had just had their names written down in heaven. Praise the great God of heaven. You realize what a great thing that is? That's what encouraged me to watch the way you interacted, young people. Stay close like that. To see that joy as they realize this person just received the Holy Ghost, especially when it's somebody that's been tearing for years to get it. You know, that's a tremendous victory against the kingdom of the adversary when someone's born again in Jerusalem, which is above, praise His holy name. That was a wonderful thing. I about went up and ran around the building. That would have been something for the DVD because you'll probably never see it again. But I just about did that. You encouraged my heart. Caleb... In the 24th verse of the very next chapter, the statement that God makes about Caleb is, My servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him and hath followed me fully. I heard someone talk about that one time, young people, and I heard him say, that just meant he had a good spirit. Oh no, no, it was a lot more than a good spirit. Notice what follows the statement. My servant Caleb had another spirit with him and he followed me fully. There was something alive down in the bones of that young man. That spirit that God had injected into his life and had changed his spirit. Because you've got one and God has one. And if you let God's spirit interact with your spirit, you'll have a different spirit. And as the spirit of God had touched that young man, he was on fire. You know what the other spirit was? God wanted them to go over Jordan. And the ten spies said, we can't do it. And Caleb said, let's go. This is why this came to me as we were singing this song. Come along and go with me. Caleb's idea was, why in the world are we talking about when God's already spoken? If an almighty God already speaks, young people, you are under his hand. Yes. Caleb said, come along and go with me. In spite of that, the people didn't go, but God blessed Caleb. Caleb, I think it's in Joshua 15, 14, when it describes three of the sons of Anak. And it says, Shishai, Anahiman, and Talmai, three sons of Anak, Caleb drove out of the land. 
You know, Caleb had wanted to do that a long time before. I imagine he was burning, having to wait 40 years to drive him out. He was ready to go when they first were ready to cross Jordan. We want to infuse you with that spirit. We want to put that spirit down deep inside of you that you've got such a drive and a motivation to serve the God of heaven. Nothing will stop you. You've got to be pressure treated. That's being preemptive. You know what, how you pressure treat wood? One of the ways that wood is pressure treated, and the reason you would pressure treat wood, if you're going to build a wood deck and you want it to last, you don't want the insects to eat it, you don't want it to rot away. You pressure treat wood by putting it in a container where no air or anything can get to it. It's protected from the elements. And you inject water deep into that wood, a, a chemical blend of water deep into the wood. That's you know, what we're doing right here at this meeting. We're trying to pressure treat you. We're trying to get you in a contained place where the world can't touch you for a few days. Amen. For a few days, you're here in a refuge. And we want the Spirit to so get down into the wood and fiber of who you are Amen. that you leave here pressure treated against the world. Amen. That no matter what insects of the world come against you, no matter what rot tries to get in, no matter what comes against you, young people, you've already been preemptively pressure treated by the great God of heaven through His Spirit. Brother Michael Shex opened up here the other night, and I like, you know, it's just my personality, I suppose. I like scriptures about lions, Michael. You got me going when you started quoting about the wicked flee when no man pursueth. Proverbs 28.1, isn't it? The righteous are bold as a lion. Let me make a parallel before I close out here. You know, there were ten men whose names lived on in infamy. I doubt you could quote one of their names. You'd have to be a, a true Bible scholar if you wanted to and I, I don't even know if I'd advise you to do it. If you wanted to commit to memory the names of the ten spies that failed. I don't even know if you want to commit their names to memory. But you know there were 11 other men in another place in the Bible who had the same spirit that Caleb did. 12th chapter of the book of First Chronicles gives a record of some of David's mighty men. And it goes down through the list and tells you some of the ones that came to David when he was at En Gedi and he was at Adullam and some of the fortresses of the rock, some of the caves and things David was hiding in. God continually was adding people to David during that time. During that particular period in 1 Chronicles, the 12th chapter, there were some men that crossed the Jordan River to be with David. They didn't want to serve Saul. They wanted to follow David. In the beginning of that chapter, it talks about how some of these ones came up to join David. And then down in the 8th verse, it talks about the Gadites. It says that the Gadites separated themselves unto David into the hold in the wilderness. And what a description. What a description is used for these Gadites. Men of might. Men of war. Fit for the battle. That could handle shield and buckler. Whose faces were like the faces of lions. And they were swift as roads upon the mountains. You know that's what God is looking for in this generation? This is a terrible darkness that's seen on this world. And I was thinking of this song. It had been going through my mind. He put a light down in the valley. And that, of course, we're talking about God putting a light to direct us. But I thought about that song for a minute. I thought, you know, he's putting some lights down in the valley too. You know, you young people can be some lights down in the valley. In the midst of this dark generation, there can be some lights spring up that people can run to. These Gadites with faces like lions, swift as rose upon the mountains. You know, all it means to have your face like a lion, it is a fierceness. But it means they set their face. They had a fierce focus towards what they were doing. And do you realize what these Gadites did? Here were these ten spies who were afraid to cross Jordan because of the giants that were in the land. And here was David with just a few hundred men shut up in a fortress hold. He was a criminal on the run in Saul's eyes. And there were 11 men, and their names are listed right after this, 
There were 11 men of the tribe of Gad on the other side of Jordan who said, we are not only willing to go and live and die with David. You know, David's the type of Christ. We're going to cross Jordan to do it. Mm -hmm. They crossed Jordan down the 15th verse. It says, these are they which went over Jordan in the first month when it had overflown all its banks and they put to flight all them of the valley. In comparison to these two groups, which one would you want your name listed in? Your name's going to be found in the Bible. Would you like to be included among the ten who came back and said, the children of Anak are there, and we're just like grasshoppers, and certainly we can't do anything against them. You know what Moses said? I think it's Deuteronomy 9, 1-2. Moses was going through his litany and describing the experiences they'd had, and in the first or second verse, he makes this statement. He says how tall and powerful the people of the land were, and then he says this statement about the children of Anak and the Anakim of whom it has been said. Who can stand against the children of Anak? You know, I believe there's some young people in here today that can stand against the children of Anak. Faces like lions and swift as rose upon the mountains. You know, you've got to set your face like a flint, young people. You've got to preemptively decide ahead of time. This is worth paying the price for. The promise on the other side is worth whatever price I've got to pay. We love you, we care for you, and we appreciate you. And thank you so much for this wonderful meeting. You let us be a part of your meeting, and we so appreciate it. Thank you.